Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. In life, we like to take little surveys and inventories to communicate information. One of the most popular ways of doing this is to, by using a scale of 1 to 10. For example, if you go to the doctor's office, you might be asked, tell me, how much is your pain on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 being no pain and 10 being extreme pain. Or when lunchtime rolls around and you're out with some friends, you might ask, how hungry are you on a scale of from 1 to 10? Using a scale helps us understand each other and the information that we wish to relay. And sometimes it's as simple as a scale 1 to 10 can be for just about anything in life. In our text for today, Jesus, in a way, takes inventory of the disciples' faith, particularly Peter's. The main intent of this account is easy to determine. The disciples' faith was weak and needed to be strengthened and encouraged. In many ways, we could say the same about our lives, but there's even more for us to learn from this story. When we get down to determining how to go about strengthening our faith, we need to realize that God very often uses things that seem plain and ordinary to us. So often we like to tell ourselves that if we were in the place of the disciples or other biblical characters, we would have done a better job. After all, if we had a chance to walk and talk with Jesus and see his miracles and learn directly from him, we would never doubt or fall away. Certainly, it seems like a logical response. Perhaps if we could just experience a few, maybe even one extraordinary of the extraordinary events in the Bible, our faith would be so much stronger and we would never question God again. I'm sure we've all felt this way and I'm sure um, it's easy to accept that as fact. But what God's Word tells us about faith how it is created, how it is strengthened, and how it operates increasingly shows us that faith does not rest on what we can experience. 
even if it may be the awesome works of God. In Romans 10, verse 17, we hear that faith is created by listening to the word of God. No additional signs or miracles are needed. Jesus taught that faith, as small as a mustard seed, barely noticeable to the human eye, was stronger, was strong enough to displace mountains. So if God is so clear about faith resting on his word, why don't more people trust in the word? Why do so many, including ourselves, so often clamor for a physical sign? Why do many even get angry and bitter toward God for not showing a sign or not intervening in our lives in a supernatural way? The answer is that for many, including ourselves, God's word seems like such an ordinary thing when what we want is something extraordinary. Doesn't it make sense that people looking for a relationship with God by faith would look for something extraordinary? When we contemplate what faith means and what it, in that it comes from God, it should mostly certainly be something extraordinary. Faith in Christ gives us access to the eternal God who made heaven and earth. Faith in Christ creates a relationship with the same God who performed all those amazing miracles in the Bible. Faith in Christ grants the gifts of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. These are extraordinary blessings. They must come from an extraordinary way. But God's word, this written book, seems so ordinary. This is one of the pitfalls we must avoid as individuals with free and unlimited access to church and the Bible. Individuals who have grown up in and around God's word and who know it well. The temptation for us is to take it for granted and uh, to be looking for something more. This is why we 21st century Christians hear so much about salvation experiences or recognizing that the, that the exact moment uh, that I accepted Christ or having to prove or show faith I really have. These are all gimmicks that distract from the powerful word of God as the basis of faith. Gimmicks that rely on our senses for determining faith and not on God's immutable truth. The fact is that God's word, though we are used to it, though it seems plain, boring, and normal and ordinary, is the truth of the most extraordinary thing in the world. Just ask our brothers and sisters overseas who grew up most of their lives without God's word steeped in foolishness and false gods. What a precious and extraordinary gift the Bible is for them. It has given them the truth about their maker and creator, how he has sent his son into their, in their place to die for their sins and give them eternal life. No miracle, no outward sign gave them this information. It was the word, the same word that gave it to you. The difference is, to them, it is new and fresh. It is, and it's regular and ordinary for us. As we look at our text, we see a valuable lesson we can learn about faith. Interestingly, this account from the Sea of Galilee came, as Matthew puts it, immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. 
Certainly, if there was a sign that could create faith, the feeding of 5,000 would be, that, be near the top of that list. Surely the disciples were the strongest in their faith in Jesus just after that event. And so after that miraculous event, Jesus takes a moment to test their faith, or if you will, rate it from 1 to 10. Anyone who's been on a boat before knows how quickly waves and wind can increase. The Sea of Galilee is especially known for unexpected storms that arise quickly. On top of this, it's clear that the storm was too much for the disciples to handle, even as they struggled, and many of them were experienced fishermen. This was no doubt a strong test from the Lord, and ultimately a powerful reminder to trust in Him alone. When Jesus approached them on the water during the, quote, fourth watch, it would have been sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., according to our time figuring. At this point, the disciples had been struggling with the storm for several hours. Their situation seemed hopeless. At this point, they had no idea when the storm was going to subside, or even if they were going to make it out alive. But at this lowest point of desperation, Jesus came to them. Very often in our lives, we echo the same situation. So often we feel moments of desperation and pain when we're ready to give up. Times when we're exhaust, we've exhausted all avenues of support and we simply lack the strength to continue the fight. This desperation can set in during any number of activities in life. It could be during financial struggles, when we try to make ends meet month by month. Perhaps it's something even more serious, like a mental or physical problem in our mind or body. Even rifts in relationships can make us feel exhausted and battle-worn. But Jesus comes to us at these moments and reminds us that our options for help are not exhausted when our efforts cease. When you look at the way Jesus spoke to the disciples, and especially to Peter, almost as if he's, it's almost as if he's talking directly to you and me. If you isolate each of his statements, they are the same simple message he speaks to every person. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Come. O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? In every moment, when your faith is tested, Jesus brings these three same thoughts. He reminds us that he is in control. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Not only is every fear, doubt, and danger taken away in Jesus, but every joy is realized as well. He not only takes the bad away, but readily supplies the good. Once his life-giving power is in our view, Jesus then invites you to be strength, invites you through his word. He calls to you, come. To him, receive relief and help. Come to him so that your faith may be strengthened and not destroyed. And finally, he leaves you with a simple reminder. Don't doubt. So often, after a trying situation or a particular test, we look back 
with 2020 vision and clearly see God's handiwork in action. Jesus calls for us to see it the right way, in the present, by faith in him. The constant reminder that we live with a weak faith is an antidote that helps our sinful bro- keep our sinful pride at bay. Jesus lovingly and patiently teaches us that lesson through the moments of our life and the moments we share in his word. Jesus calls for you to listen to his voice, just as he spoke to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee that day. He wants to calm the storm of sin in your heart, just as he conquered the wind and waves of that day. The danger for you, as a modern-day Christian, is that you miss out on the call because you're busy looking for something else, busy looking for something more extraordinary. Something different and new. Something that isn't the same as all it's, it's always been. Peter was looking for the same something as he glanced at the high waves and felt the mighty gusts of wind. Instead of keeping his eyes and heart focused on Jesus only, he got up, caught up in the details in all the distractions that were going on around him. How often have we all made the same mistake in our spiritual lives to sink like Peter did? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. By hearing his message in his word, looking intently to the word is the same as looking into Jesus' eyes. The gaze reveals the true, truly extraordinary ways that Jesus uses to create and sustain your faith in him. The wonder of baptism, which uses plain, everyday water, mixed with the gospel of forgiveness to wash sin out of your heart, and build the foundation of God's kingdom in its place. The splendor and majesty of the Lord's Supper, which reinforces the framework of faith through the promise that Jesus has given you his body and shed his blood for you. And finally, through the word, you hear Jesus speak directly to you. Using the very same words, he spoke to Peter and the disciples in the midst of the storm. What extraordinary means God uses to create and strengthen your faith, that you may have lasting security in the midst of this sinful world. Don't allow the passage of time and repetition to make these means any less special. Don't allow Satan, the world, or your flesh to trick you into thinking that the grass is always greener on the other side, that there's something better than what the Lord offers and that these means are powerless rituals and able to help you. So, how would you rate your faith on a scale of 1 to 10? If you're honest, it's probably not very strong. So what do you do? Try a little harder? Trust a little more? Look with greater intent for some miraculous sign? How about to take a step back and listen, just listen to your Savior. He is here in his word. Don't be afraid. He beckons you to come to him by water, wine, and bread. His very body and the written word. Focus on those gifts and use them. Don't let the extraordinary wind and waves of this world throw you off course. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We'll continue with our next hymn, hymn 442, verses 1 through 3.